Health Coast, Tim Weisberg here, broadcasting live via YouTube, via SpookySouthCoast.com, via the Spooky South Coast app. That's the only way that you can hear the show tonight, because we have the Patriots airing on WBSM, and that's going to take up the whole night. So there's there's no way we're going to get on the radio at all, because the pregame show is like two and a half hours long. I mean, the postgame show. So I don't even have to worry about press, pressing any buttons over here. I don't have to worry about clicking anything. We're just going to talk here on on the YouTubes and on the interwebs and doing it online because that's the only way that we can do it tonight. And we are going to talk about the paranormal. That's what we talk about each and every Saturday night. We're going to start off things by discussing some pretty interesting news that broke this week. And then uh, in the second hour, we're going to talk about something that's been going on for a couple of weeks with our guest, Lon Strickler. And that is uh, something that I haven't really been following, so we'll have Lon fill us in on that, and we'll find out more about these these strange sightings that have been going on in the Chicago area. Very interesting. Lon's a great guy. He is a fantastic researcher. Uh, I remember talking with him when we were wor- way back when we were working on Ghost Stalkers, and uh-huh. getting some of his uh, some of his information about some hauntings and and uh, and different cryptid sightings that were happening around one of our episodes. So. We'll talk about that recent thing that's been going on in Chicago, the Chicago area, coming up in the next hour. But before that, I want to talk about some breaking news that happened in the paranormal over the past week. Now, when I say breaking news, I'm not talking about the premiere of Haunted Towns, which was on Tuesday night. Yes, it was. As, as Donald Trump would say, biggest ratings, huge. <laughs> like It was very good. The entire world was watching. Uh, I think that uh, it was a very good response for the premiere, considering the right. fact that people could watch it a week beforehand on the Destination America app. And now everybody's hooked with that. Right. They keep asking me, like, when's the second episode going up on the app? Well, probably not until it airs on TV. Right, right. Like, this was what they call a tease. Well, everybody that listens to the show and has listened to me for the past four years or so knows that I'm not really a fan of watching paranormal television or horror movies or anything like that. I'm not really into it, but I decided because of my friendships with the guys and obviously with you, um, I would give Haunted Towns a shot. And I have to say, I actually really enjoyed it. I love the fact that uh, you you get to see the personalities of the investigators, which is people said to me when I said, you know, they're taking the Tennessee Wraith Chasers and they're Mm -hmm. putting them into this new format where they'll be in entire towns instead of just having to be cooped up in one haunted asylum or prison or jail or whatever and people said oh yeah but those guys don't really seem to have a lot of like chemistry or personality i'm like but they do they're just not seeing that in the ghost asylum format because they take they took it so seriously and so with this show you get to see a little bit more of the personality come through and so i think that that's something that a lot of people were sending me tweets and and messages and saying wow those guys are really funny like yeah, well, that's the kind of stuff. They that, really are, though. That's the yeah. kind of stuff that got cut out of the other right. show because it just wasn't the kind of tone that they were setting. But this show was about let's if we're going to send them to everyday American towns, let's show that they're just everyday American guys, right? And, and they they relate to people better in that that form as well. You know, interviewing people and being able to even relate to the audience at home, just showing that you're a regular person, you're no different. It's just a different job than what somebody else might have. It's it's. I, I liked it. I laughed. Um, oh, and was I that? was I was way more involved in this yes. show than I have been in previous seasons. So, like, I know every single thing. I know the entire like how the whole shoot went. And I'm watching it, and I'm 
watching the clock, being like, they're, in, they're still in the military. They have another place to go right. to. Like, I thought know, that too watching, when I was watching. I'm like, I'm like what happened? Did they not get anything at the other place? Yep. And so it's just, it's uh, it was a little nerve-wracking in that regard, but it, it felt like it was over in a flash, you know? You know, I, I think it left me wanting more because the evidence that they caught at both locations was phenomenal. And I actually, I made a phone call to one of the guys after the show, after I watched it, I said, did that actually happen? Because obviously working in TV, you know how editing can, you know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they're not they're not misrepresenting anything. No, they did not at all. And, you know, we've heard of other shows doing that, you know, with editing. And I know even my episode of Kindred Spirits, I know how it was edited. Um, I know what I, I did first in the episode, but it was edited so that way it was almost oh, yeah, flip-flopped, yeah. but nothing was changed. People don't understand, so, like, the... the <clears throat> Like one of the things when we say like things aren't exactly as they're filmed, right? Like they might say to you seventeen times, "We need you to walk through that door again." Yes, they do, and that's that's yep. got nothing to do with the investigation itself. Not that at all. all. It's has to do with the presentation TV. of it. But I did ask. I said, "Did the evidence actually happen like that? Was was it that profound?" And he said, "Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how it happened." And they were they were shocked by the evidence I mean, as well. So I'll be I'll be very forthright. I don't hear Abraham Lincoln in you know? that in that club. You know, everybody I do. everybody else does. I don't hear it. We've had this this discussion before, though, about EVPs and how people right. do hear them differently. Um, and, you know, that was one of the things that we discussed as well, too, is if you could have heard that in person, it sounded so different than um, TV. TV did not do it justice, but I still heard it myself. I will. I will. Well, I mean, it sounded more like it was saying President Lincoln to me. Oh, really? But, yeah. But I Interesting. Mean, I'll have to go back and listen to it and see if I can it hear was that. Just, I don't know. You know, uh, I think it'll only time will only tell. You know what happens with these future episodes. But I think uh, coming out of the gate, I was very happy with the way things were. Oh, yeah. I was I was nervous. I didn't get to see a lot of oh, the uh, advanced stuff, so I was a little bit nervous about how it was going to play out. And you know, it just and, and and not that I was worried about you know how are they going to portray the investigation or all that. Or, uh, I'm just saying in my mind, I was part of the team that helped pick the eight locations they go to. Right. And. I hope it delivered, and it and it seemed that it did. I think so, and I think it was really cool for me to have been kind of behind the scenes with you the entire time, watching how hard you worked in the show, and you know, talking back and forth with you about you know some of the things that might happen, and then watching it all come to life was really cool. The biggest thing that people are going to have to realize about this show is they are, and I you know we'll just wrap this up because I don't want to spend the whole time talking right. about the show, but one of the things that people are commenting about is they're saying well you know you went to Gettysburg but you didn't go to this place you didn't do this yes. place you didn't do that place and oh they're going to Salem so they must be doing this place or this place that's not the idea of the show the idea right. of the show is to go to places that you haven't already seen on TV the idea is to go to other places that are having the same phenomena that don't have the same uh, spotlight on them right so when we go to Salem you're not going I'm going to just give you a little bit of a spoiler right now you're not going to see the witch house mm-hmm. you know you're not going to see the Hawthorne Hotel. You're not going to see places where other people might have gone in the past. You're going to see new locations that still tie in and connect to the, because we already know those other places have right. activity. So now we're going to these other places to see what we can find and how that can all tie into the, the bigger picture of what these hauntings are all about. I like so that idea. Just keep that in mind when you're watching these episodes. We're never going to take you exactly where you thought. In fact, we're probably going to drive by right where you thought we were going to go and take you somewhere completely different and unexpected. So... Keep that in mind. Tuesday night, 10 o'clock Eastern, Destination America. The TWC boys go to Salem. Should be a great episode. I think the next one after that is Savannah. I don't know. And then they haven't released the rest of the order yet. Like, we don't even know what order they're going in yet. Really? The network hasn't told us. So 
I mean, they have a rough schedule. Right. Like we were talking about when an episode's supposed to air. Yes. But it still might not. Like they're still. It could be before or after. They're still flip-flopping yep. things, you know? And it, it all depends on, I think, you know, where where the journey takes the viewers. Right. You know, and, and that's what I think is interesting. Because usually they'll look at it and they'll say, I mean, this is just a little bit behind the scenes of Paranormal TV. They'll say, well, we need a place that's well-known and had a lot of activity for the premiere. And we need a place that's well-known and had a lot of activity for the season finale. Yep. So that we can kind of bookend it with, you know, very buzzworthy episodes. But I think that with these, they were kind of all buzzworthy. So it's yeah. more of a matter of like, okay, well, where where can we go on this journey? And so far, I think it's going the way that they went, you know, chronologically. Right. So we'll see we'll what see. happens in the future. And uh, speaking of, of the TWC and, and speaking of the uh, Haunted Towns cast, we just uh, we were just talking before the show came on the air, and, and I got a little bit of information that I... I kind of knew it was going to happen, but we got the official confirmation uh, as official as we can since it came directly from his PR person now. <laughs> but uh, on on September 23rd, we have an event for sale, a spooky South Coast event that's uh, been put up on the site. It's called Lizzie's Axe to Fall. I was proud of that title. Stephanie didn't I know. get it. Listen. But it's the, <laughs> it's the f- second day of fall. Yes. Fall starts on the 22nd. So Lizzie's axe to fall, like the axe is going to fall, but yes. also it's the start of fall. This is how we're kicking off the autumn season with Spooky South Coast. So Stephanie and myself will be leading an investigation of the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. But we're going to, this is, I figured this, I didn't even ask you before I started promoting it. No, this way, But only because we've had this format on the back burner right. forever and said, we'll just find a good place where it works. I just roll with what you tell me to do. And I think that this is the time to do it, that this is the time that it'll actually work. But what we're going to do, we're going to be in, an, in a house that's from the 1800s. We're mm-hmm. going to be in a house that is associated with a Victorian era murder. So what we're going to do is we're going to finally follow through on our plan of doing a night of investigating that is both old school and new school techniques. So we're going to focus on some of the things that might have been spirit communication of the spiritualist era. Obviously, we have a psychic medium with us, so that base is covered. But, you know... We can have you bring your table and do table tipping. We can try some of these other techniques that people would have used, like even the basic stuff. Right. You know, like even stuff that we try on every other investigation, like using people use pendulums or they use dowsing rods, but all that stuff would have been applicable to that era. Right. And then we can try some of the more obscure things that people did back then, too. And then we'll also, of course, use the modern day equipment as well. But so what we're thinking is that we'll kind of do this as a, as an across the board let's try old school and new school and i'm actually telling people if you want to come in victorian clothes feel free that'd be kind of cool yeah i think it'll only help we we had our friend jeff campbell mm-hmm. who came to i actually just saw him today he came to bridgewater last yep. year dressed up in his yes. outfit and he got res, you know he got responses to it so why not say to people if you want to come dressed in your best victorian era or you know i know steampunk's popular with a lot of people now maybe you have a steampunk right. outfit if you want to bring that and wear that, feel free. I think it'll only help Might kind of activate things, what's yeah. going there. So, and that being said, uh, we had also talked about another person. I don't well. If Ty comes down, yes, I know I that, have to. I know that he has oh, the yes. outfit already. I'll text him right now. So tell him that if he does come down, he's definitely got to dress the part. Yes. Uh, but the other guest does not have to because. I know it's not really his, his I thing. I don't know if he has anything. Yeah, right. I don't either, so I'm probably not going to dress that way. But the uh, the special guest that we're going to have is uh, is Porter will be coming yes. again. So that's uh, 
I'd like to say it's a great chance to get him into the house, but without giving anything away, it will be his second trip to Lizzie Borden's. It, yes. But and, he, he did say he is looking forward to going back. So Well, and also because, you know, when they're there and they're investigating, it's busy. you're getting, you're, you know, you're filming for television. It makes it harder. So now you can really dive head first. In. Right. But the episode that we filmed in Fall River is going to air either before or after that event. So Yes, we don't know the order yet, but... If it does happen to air after, mm. maybe we can get some sneak peek footage that we can show at the event. We might be able to. So, I, I know people. You do. You I do. have connections. So we'll see if we can pull that off. So anyway, that event's already half sold out. Yes, and we haven't is. even mentioned the fact yet to people that Porter has, is going to be there. Right. So you might want to jump on Spooky South Coast now and get your tickets. And then once we get that event sold out, we're going to try and find some other stuff to do uh, coming up later on in the fall. But also, just a real quick mention while we're plugging things, uh, are there tickets left for John Brightman's event? We have four tickets left. Four tickets remaining and you can for only the buy SK Pierce Mansion. So what happens What happens on Monday if, you, if the tickets aren't sold, if there's still four tickets left, but the tickets are no longer on sale? Is that just four less people that are going to be there? Uh, yeah. So... It's really stupid to not jump on this if you were thinking right. about doing it because you're just going to have those spots go to waste. But that does that mean that I can, like, I can have whatever food we were bringing for those four people? I can inquire. I can absolutely inquire and see. Are we are we doing food as part of that event? I believe so. Is it going to be pizza from across the street? I believe so. They have really good pizza. They have really good food. They really do. And uh, this is in September, September 9th. We did an event there in November, and they were offering a Thanksgiving yes. pizza. Yes, that's right. So I'm wondering if maybe we tell them, you know, hey, it's fall. Can you do me up a Thanksgiving pizza? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Special so order. Th- so that event is uh, for sale from Bright Star Promotions, uh, which you can get to. Just go to Stephanie's Facebook page, and uh, she'll direct you wherever you need to go to get those last four remaining tickets for the SK Pierce yes. Mansion on September 9th. So when people are saying, hey, I- I'm looking for some stuff to do this fall that's creepy and spooky, there you go. There's two events right there. I've right. had a lot of that lately, too. People are, are really getting into the spirit of the season this well, time. Well, I think because people are finally starting to realize that if you want to do stuff in October and September, you've got to start yes. buying your tickets in, in the summertime because those events tend to sell out pretty fast. Agreed. So, uh, and, uh, and also, just quick recap here, because uh, uh, I don't want to run out of time to talk about this other issue that we want to discuss, but we right. did have a, a, an event last Saturday. We did. And it was... Insane. Listen, I always say that when we go to these places, people say, do you all, you know, do you have activity every time you go? And I have to put out the caveat that you don't always have activity. But we tend to always have stuff going on at these events. And last Saturday was no exception whatsoever. It was actually probably one of the most active nights I've ever had. Right. I was in the tavern the whole time, but that's because a new layer had been peeled back in the investigation. I didn't plan to stay there the whole night. Which we talked about, yes. My plan was to kind of go around and check out, because that's what I did last year. I went around to the different buildings, and mm-hmm. I got a chance to check out some of the other buildings. But it just so happened that uh, w- in the first group, some weird stuff started happening in the attic of the Fearing Tavern that had never happened before. We were getting these mysterious sounds, and we were getting shadow figures. Mm-hmm. And we were getting very weird shadow figures, like very tall and... Uh, I don't want to say menacing, but you didn't exactly get a positive vibe from them. Right. And it just kept getting worse and worse as the night mm-hmm. went on. Well, you know, more and more profound, I'll say, than as the night went on. And just some, some weird, strange things that were happening. So 
now we have a whole new avenue to explore when we oh, go yeah. into the tavern. Because usually, like, I never spent a lot of time up in the attic. I did at one point, and I don't get the warmest, fuzziest feeling from the attic. What, what was interesting was it was actually, uh, it was one of the attendees yep. had discovered something new, and we're like, oh, well, let's go up there and check it out. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of exploring that narrative of, of what uh, he thought he had discovered, you know, that's when all of a sudden we discovered these shadow figures, and then they stayed the whole night. And the weird part was when I was shining the laser light at the end of the night across them, and they weren't, like, they were they were absorbing the light. They weren't, like, you couldn't shine the laser light on them. They were like solid figures. Interesting. It was it was just very mind-blowing. So we'll definitely be going back there again. Of course, you know, We want to yes. make it an annual event for them. Uh, very good turnout this year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's just growing and growing. Uh, but we will have... The, our next event is Lizzie Borden's in September, so you can get those tickets at SpookySouthCoast.com. And if you're looking for the last couple, uh, the last four tickets for the SK Pierce event with Bright Star Promotions, don't wait on those. Because what did you say, Monday? Monday's the last Monday's day. Monday's the last day. So you're going to really be sorry if you're, because you want to talk about a place that has insane <laughs> activity. Yes. That is the place. All right. Well, uh, I do want to talk about one other thing before we uh, get into things later on with our guest, Lon Strickler. But for those of you who are either investigators or maybe you're a fan of some of the TV shows or, you know, at least if you have a rudimentary idea of the different equipment that are, that's used in the paranormal, you know, the ghost boxes are a pretty popular device. And you know that out of all of the different builds and all the different formats for these over the years you know there's been all these little tweaks and changes and everything but they're all still essentially the same a guy came along a couple of years ago by the name of steve huff and claimed that he was revolutionizing ghost boxes Mm -hmm. and right from the beginning people started questioning what he was doing people who had been doing this for a long time started questioning what he was doing at first you know he had been working with a lot of people uh, but then he kind of started insulating himself, and, and people were having their speculations about what it was that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to go on the record and say I have never directly worked with a Wonder Box. I have seen other people use them, but I chose not to because I have some problems with Steve Huff and, and the way that he does business. So I can't say from my own experiences how they work, but I've... I have a lot of friends who have used them that mm-hmm. say that they're really good. And I have a lot of friends that have used them that say they're nothing but a bunch of guitar pedals all wired together that are kicking out what you want to hear. And also all of Steve's videos are doctored. Okay. So I can't say one way or the other. But what I can say is as a very unscrupulous businessman, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. Here's a guy who every time a celebrity has died for the past couple of years, he's claimed that these celebrities are instantly contacting him that very same day on his devices. Correct. Because out of all the people in the world that a dead celebrity is going to want to talk to, they have to reach out to Steve Huff. Not their family. And he promoted these videos. He promoted these videos where he's talking with these people by buying advertising on Facebook, by buying followers by buying people on Twitter, by buying people on YouTube, is the is the allegation. Again, mm-hmm. I don't have any proof that he actually, well, I mean, I've seen sponsored ads from him right. on Facebook. But essentially, he 
built all of this by putting this attention on himself, mostly through claiming to talk to dead celebrities. And it was really, it was Robin Williams Mm -hmm. that really started to draw a lot of people's attention to him. Then, it was probably like a year, maybe a little over a year ago or so, I I don't know the exact date, but the Constantinos, what happened with them. Right. We don't have to get into all of that. Of course. But two very famous paranormal researchers, heavily involved in ITC research, both die in a brutal fashion. Mm -hmm. And it was, there was a... There was personal issues between the two of them that led to this. Right. Uh, for those who don't know the story, again, I don't want to get into the details. It was a murder-suicide, though. Mm-hmm. And the entire paranormal community kind of made this pact amongst themselves, both spoken and unspoken, that if Debbie and Mark reached out to anybody, they would keep it to themselves. Right. That you're not going to start using this as a way to promote yourself and promote what it is that you're doing. Well, not Steve Huff. They apparently reached out to him, even though he didn't work with them. Mm-hmm. You know, he, they reached out to him that very day. At least I don't think they worked together. So anyway, I have moral issues with the way that he's chosen to portray himself. Basically what he's done is he's put himself out there as the very antithesis of the correct way to do things and then put that out to the general public as this is how we do things. I think any good person would have moral issues with what he's doing. It is literally no different than what I deal with. Um, I mean, obviously being a psychic medium, I just had this conversation this week about how other psychic mediums wake up one day and decide to do this because they can make money doing it. And that in turn allows them to prey on people's grief for their own gain and wealth. And it's the exact same situation, only different circumstances. He's preying on the fear of the unknown with people and then the fascination of what could be and becoming wealthy off of it. This is the equivalent of if you decided that you wanted to sit at home and make a video on the day that Robin Williams died of you claiming to... Have him come through and right. talk to you. And there are psychics that do that, mediums that do that. That's Yeah, exactly. And exactly. we tend to kind of mock them behind their backs. Or publicly. And say, can you believe this person? Like, first of all, he's probably not talking to you. No. But even if he is, right. you shouldn't be basically trying to use his suicide to get attention for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see this happen whenever any celebrity dies, that people are going to want to post their own thoughts and feelings about it, and people are going to kind of turn it into something about themselves. That's to be expected. Right. So if you wanted to say, you know, Chris Cornell died, Mm -hmm. Chris Cornell killed himself, and I was very, you know, very much a fan of his music growing up, and it spoke to me, and it meant something to me, and he put that... That's just kind of letting your feelings out there. You know, that's not really using well, that, somebody's Well, you death. and the rest of the world, because everybody felt like that. You know what I mean? Music right. moves people. So that's that's normal. But, uh, and I'm saying, like, right. I'm okay with that if people want to kind of do mm-hmm. that. I think when people start using it as a way to kind of market their own skills, their own abilities, then you're crossing a line. And, I think... And, and, at the very least, it's bad taste. Anytime somebody uses a death or a tragic event in our history... 
to promote themselves and what they do in order to gain something from it is disgusting. I can't tell you how many posts I see. We just had we had to talk about this what two days ago. Right. That it's you know, there's people who have abilities and have to lead off every sentence of everything yes. that they post with that with that as a psychic medium. And I think that that is it's gross. It is. So gross. I um I don't I don't understand it and I mean that would be like me launching myself into every political discussion on all my friends' social media posts and saying, well, as a journalist, because <laughs> right. I think that that should make my opinion mean more because I sit mm-hmm. here and read a computer with the news on it all day. Right. Like, that makes my opinion more valid than yours. It doesn't. It, it, all it is is an opinion. But, I mean, we've talked about me personally, you know, having this ability and how how much I fought against it. And, Tim, you were a huge part of me fighting against that ability and not wanting to come out with it. And even now being thrown into the public eye like I have been and still working, um, you know, with the people I'm working with or on TV or anything like that, I still don't go on social media and say anything about who I am and what I can do and lead off a discussion in that manner. Well, because it would just be obnoxious. It would, and it is. And there's a time and a place for that. It's not on social media to gain more followers to, you know, throw out, you know, I'm doing readings for free on Facebook Live or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I, I don't understand it. Yes, social media is a great place to gain business for whatever it is that you do with this life. But to prey on people in order to gain money by claiming that you can do things like he does or like other uh, mediums well, what- do. Let's kind of let's just bring this back to Steve Huff right. for a minute because and and again I I I don't bash people at least publicly I mean well <laughs> we all know well, what I talk yeah. about off there no seriously though I don't bash people mm-hmm. on this show we've never really used this show as a platform no, to we bash we other will. people there have been times where we've called people out for things there have been times where we've told people to avoid certain individuals right. And, you know, that's, that's only after that something public has come out. And we give you the reasons why. Absolutely. You know, we tell you why you shouldn't yep. pay, you know, or tell people to do like, their research. Hey, if you want to go and buy this guy's equipment, that's on you. But just be aware of this story. Mm-hmm. And we've also never shied away. I mean, look at Danny, Danny Roberge. He's a guy yeah. who's caused a lot of problems for himself and he, he'll be the first to admit that. Right. And, but that doesn't stop me from using Echovox. Mm-hmm. That doesn't stop me from recommending it and from having him on the show. Right. If anybody said to me, you know, hey, you know, he's I was like, whatever, but I don't think that that affects the work that he does. Right. But the work that Steve Huff is doing is directly affected by the the snake oil salesman yes. feeling that I get from him. Mm-hmm. So this week, first of all, there's been a couple of his wonder boxes that have sold for ridiculous amounts of money. Like they're they're not cheap to begin with. Right. He's already charging like a thousand, two thousand dollars for something that's basically just you know a couple of hundred dollars worth of parts, mm-hmm. and I can say that because people are building them. Yes, Other the same are. way he yep. does, and they're telling me exactly here's how much I paid for this, here's how much I paid for this, and the only reason they're paying that much money is because they're going to the music store and buying the guitar pedals for retail, right? Instead of trying to get used ones or whatever. So the devices are already very expensive. But he starts putting them on eBay, you know, because the demand for them is so great. Right. And he hand makes everyone, so he can't keep up with them. So he puts them all up on eBay. He puts a couple of them up on eBay. One of them got over $5,000. Wow. And you can say to yourself, 
well, that's ridiculous that he's charging that much money. But he can come back and say, I didn't charge that much money. I put it up on auction. That's where people were willing to pay for it. The market set the value. So when I saw that happen, I was like, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts saying, you know what, it's not fair for me to have mm-hmm. to take orders for them and not be able to put them. So I'm just going to start making them, putting them on eBay. So I complained to somebody about one of those going for, I think it was like $5,500. Mm-hmm. And the person who is in the know wrote back to me and said, well, you didn't see the one that sold before that. Oh, no. That one was over $10,000. What? So I'm like, he basically made like what half of these paranormal investigators that are out there make a year at their job Mm -hmm. over the past couple of months just selling these boxes. I want to know who purchased that for that amount of money. Uh, Believe me, so do I. And so whatever, these these couple of boxes have sold for big money, and, and they generally sell for big money anyway. So this past couple of weeks, my phone was blowing up about it last week. I think it was last Saturday. My phone was blowing up about it. People were asking me about it. So what had happened was apparently Steve Huff has been having what he felt was demonic activity coming through these boxes. Good enough. What he felt was actually Satan himself coming through this box and making threats towards Steve. And so Steve has decided to retire from the paranormal because he doesn't want to have to deal with these negative entities. Thank you, Satan. Which, by the way, also led to all of the throngs of people commenting under his videos with, I told you this was going to happen. I've been battling these demons for 25 years. So there's that. I I feel really bad about having to go down this path because... Like, I don't personally believe in demons, but then I also look at somebody like Keith Johnson and say, he hasn't been wasting his life fighting something that isn't there. You know, he's mm-hmm. been he's been battling something. Correct. I don't know what it is, but he's been battling that. But, like, let's say that not everybody that picks up a Ouija board or not everybody that decides to open themselves up to spirit communication you know, every little angry sounding voice that comes through is not the devil. Oh, absolutely not. And how many times have either of us come across something that sounds so mean and scary or threatening, but it's just a spirit that's either playing jokes or using a scare tactic in order to continue to do what they're doing and being left alone while doing it? It's not Satan. I I, I mean, I don't want to even play the the clips on the show and and even give it that much justice, but you can watch it on YouTube and you can see for yourself. Now my, my, my question is, and I joked before and said, thanks Satan. Is this truly him leaving the paranormal or is this just more attention? Well, that's my biggest thought whenever anything like this happens is just a marketing ploy. Right. You know, it's just a way to say, so the uh, next one sells so, for fifteen grand. So the, well, that's the thing. Is like you're going to be auctioning them off. Now the price is going to go up because people. Are, he's going to say, "Well, I'm not going to make these anymore, but I'm going to sell off all the rest of my boxes because I don't want them around anymore." Mm-hmm. Uh, he apparently the the one that he made that's been in communicating with the devil. He apparently took a hammer to it and smashed it. Yeah, sure he did. So if they're all made the exact same way and they all work the exact same way, who's to say that Satan is not going to come through any of well, them? Well, they don't all work the same way. Okay, like certain ones have different tonalities and you know depending on the equipment that's used they all function in the same basic way okay but like certain ones have certain 
tones and certain sounds and okay. you know like certain ones can communicate better. It, it was the same thing with Frank's box when when Frank was still making his boxes. So certain boxes got certain things mm-hmm. and other ones couldn't. You know, a, a voice could come through on one and not on another. But this, still, the fact that this is just in my eyes, I just see it as a marketing ploy, like you said, to drive up the prices as he's liquidating, mm-hmm. if that's part of it. But also, there's the other side of it too. There's also the ridiculous adoration and adulation that will come from this of people saying, don't quit, Steve, we need you. Yeah. And so then you <laughs> get like everybody that will be fighting for you. Yep. Well, not, I don't know. I mean, I could say so much. Obviously, I can't. But a person that cared about the well-being of others would stop altogether. And if that's if he's truly spooked by this, then he wouldn't sell off anymore. He wouldn't continue in this. He would, you know, drop off, disappear. If he done. thought it was really the devil yes. coming after him, he would be taking a hammer to everybody's box that already yes. bought one from him. Yep. Um, if you truly care. And honestly, any entity, spirit, ghost, whatever it is that you would like to call it, it doesn't need a special box to come through and communicate. It can communicate any old way that it wants to through any piece of equipment that it wants to through any medium. Heck, it can, I almost said something different. Um, it can speak through any of us or to any of us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need a special box. So any of those boxes can do it. I just want to point out that for a guy who is quitting the paranormal, all of his YouTube videos are still up. Oh, okay. All right. And four days ago, he posted a video called Goodbye for Now. Oh, for now. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No. All right. So a 22-minute video saying, you know, goodbye for now. I'm 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 good with watching that. I don't even need to know what it says. But basically, I'm going to assume that he's going with the perspective of, you know, I'm going to just go away for a little while and let this all calm down and then I'll come back and see what happens. I also I mean, we do I don't want to get into a fight with the people in the chat room, but we do have no. a comment in the chat room that the EVPs are from demons, but they're not. Um I can say with pretty no. much you know, pretty good amount of surety that they're not listen now are they from something bad and 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 something that means ill intention maybe i I mean mean, why not but right how many i mean all right so in in the time that i've been doing this which is a very long time um i have come across what i would consider legitimately evil um it is very rare and the those were personal experiences those were not me going out and looking for them going out and looking for them i have come across very negative things but things that i would say are demonic no um and any researcher that you talk to can tell you if they have come across things because you know having a conversation with people like the johnsons who are demonologists um will tell you that they've it's still rare to come across things like that right so why now why this why him i just look at it like this the box that he uses, no matter what he wants you to think, is not really all that much more spectacular than what other people are building. And the process behind it and the thought behind it and the basic functionality behind it is not that much different than Mm -hmm. anything that we're doing and trying to communicate with spirits. So if that's the case, why aren't we all being inundated by these demons? Because uh, let's let's just look at the idea of a demon from the perspective of its goal is to attack and possess human beings. 
if that is what we think that demons are out to do, then we would all be getting contacted by them. Right. And they would be trying to take all of us down. There are people who have done way better things, way better, much better things in the paranormal for way longer than Steve Huff. That would be much better targets for demons. Yep. But it just goes back to that idea of we have to think that he's special and he's different. So why wouldn't the guy that Robin Williams talks to also be the guy that Satan talks to? When in actuality... If demons cared enough about the, see, I don't even think if if a demon was real and intended to possess people, paranormal researchers would be the last people they would be looking to possess. Right, because they're aware of it. Right, and because it would serve no function mm-hmm. to to possess a paranormal researcher. Because if anybody was like, "Oh, I need help," you know, they'd be like, "Well, you deserve it." Right, you're the one that went looking in those corner you know what i mean so it mm-hmm. just it just doesn't make any sense no nope. we and also we would be the low-hanging fruit for them and yes. they would be possessing all of us because why not right so in one way they wouldn't want anything to do with us but in the other way why not take advantage of us so uh, i don't know all i know is if you paid five thousand dollars one of those you're stupid i'm sorry are we on youtube you're fucking stupid we are on youtube because oh and i totally censored myself before well, I mean, we do we do put on iTunes that we don't swear. Do you? And and we do have a, a, a we do we, we can cut that the out. Dark Matter Radio Network is nice enough to run us, and we're not supposed to swear on that either. So, but you, I mean, come on! And if you pay ten thousand dollars, I can't. You're I can't. beyond. That's not okay. Like the, none of that is okay. Please, I I need to know who bought that. I need I, to know who spent know. that money. I know who didn't buy it. Okay. It's it's going to be our guest in the next hour, Lon Strickler. Yes. Because he's way smarter than to, much smarter. Wait, no, wait. That was listen, his way. listen. You and we talked about grammar. I know. We I've just been, talked about it. I've been here. having. I've been having uh, a lot, significantly less caffeine this week than oh. usual. So, I it, just out of circumstance more than anything. Mm, okay. But then you get here and you sit down on Saturday night. And you're like, I need to be. That's why I on my caffeine. game, and I'm like, eh, I probably. I know. I was wondering where your uh, your big gulp was. Because I don't want to be up all night. I don't want to mm-hmm. be up till like three or four in the morning. I've I've been up till like four. I've had a very rough week Have this you? week of being able to fall asleep because I've been watching too much CNN before I go to bed. Uh oh. And it's it's been driving me crazy. Not good. All right. So why don't we try and connect with our guest, Lon Strickler? I'm gonna try and connect with him via. Wait, what's wrong? Why is it my... Mercury. That will definitely happen. Mercury is in retrograde, officially. The um, The good thing about being YouTube only, though, is that when you screw up, it's not that big of a deal. Right, of course. Because you don't have to be as professional. So it's not like, you know, when you're on the radio and you have to be like, oh, we've got to take a break before we try and do this. Because, mm-hmm. like, if we screw up on the air, we're going to get in trouble. But no, this time we can totally screw it up. And so we'll try and bring one on. And that's the best thing about being YouTube only. You get to hear us try to make that call. Yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, I could have, you know, Skype gone to like a music worst. break or something. The person whom you're trying to reach 
is currently unavailable. Hmm. All right. Well, Lon's in the chat room, so yes, I know that is. he's uh, listening to the show. I know he's just a l- little bit behind. But uh, if you want to try and reach out to us on Skype, uh, we did just try to send you a, a call, so you should see our contact information. And uh, feel free just to reach out to us, and we'll put you right through. I'm actually uh, pulling up his bio anyway at the same time, so. In the meantime, let's talk about how cold it is in here. I don't think it's that cold. It's freezing. Which is uh, pretty... It is like 80 degrees like, out. Normally it's ridiculously in warm in here. I'm okay with it ridiculously warm. No, like I'm here at night and it's it's bad. It's like, can you at least like not... I understand like turning the air conditioning off before you leave, but can you not like turn the heat on? I like the heat. The heat makes me happy. Sunshine also makes me happy, and there was none of that today. I didn't go outside. I um I was actually on the waterfront this morning, an afternoon, and it was so misty out that you could see it just moving through the air. I did uh, I did enjoy the thunderstorm last night though. I uh I missed a good portion of that, and I'm actually really sad about it. I'm just uh, typing messages now. The, uh, also, uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to let everybody else know about, too, as we're promoting the different things that we were promoting mm-hmm. earlier, uh, I, I do want to mention that I will be popping up at a library. Are you? Yes, coming up. And I can't remember the dates off the top of my head. But it's the Friends of the Berkeley Public Library. Okay. They're having me come out for a special discussion. And uh, it's 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 not going to be like a presentation that you've seen before. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come out with Ghosts of the South Coast or any of these ones okay. you've seen before. I'm gonna take this one in a completely different direction. I know how your brain works, and if it's anything like I've seen before, it'll be spectacular. And uh, so this this should be a pretty fun night. I'm still trying to find the date for it, but I don't see it. All right, I'm gonna well I'm gonna try long again. Um. He's uh, currently not in the chat room anymore either. Hello, Lon. Hello. Hey, can you hear us? You can hear us okay? Yes, I can. Excellent. Well, you sound great. But you sound great always. You know that anyway. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm going to give you a quick introduction here. Uh, Lon Strickler is a Fortean researcher, author, and publisher of the syndicated Phantoms and Monsters blog that he began in 2005, which has steadily grown in popularity and is read daily by tens of thousands of paranormal enthusiasts, investigators, and those seeking the truth. His research and reports have been featured on hundreds of online media sources, and of course he's helped out with numerous television programs as well, including helping me out in the past with Ghost Stalkers, and uh, and now he joins... You know, Lon, we talked a lot about the Sykesville Monster for that episode of Ghost Stalkers, and I was so mad that it never made it into the episode. Is that right? They, they focused, uh, you know, exclusively on ghosts, and I guess they filmed a bunch of stuff about it, but when they edited it, they kept the edit to just the ghosts. So I was very upset because I thought that that Sykesville monster was such a unique tie-in to the weird stuff that was going on in that whole area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that town has had a lot of stuff and uh, going on, and... Uh, you know, they, the woman who used to actually uh, promote the town, she did a lot of the ghost walks and stuff in, in Sykesville, and she ran across my story and kind of ballooned from there. 
What what I do like about your research, though, is that you are very upfront with the fact that some of this is just as much urban legend as it is factual sightings and, and, and all of this kind of mixes together into creating these reports. And you're trying to get to the truth of those reports, but that you're also taking into account some of the the stories and the mythologies that have built up around some of these sightings. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're talking about Chicago in particular, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, you know, I'm not going to come out and say what I, what this really is or what I think this is. I mean, I have really no idea. And, and in fact, these, uh, this is, this is a big enigma to me. I, you know, the, the fact that these things are going on, uh, in this, uh, in a large group like this in a short period of time is pretty remarkable. So is that how you got, uh, contacted about this? Because, you know, people know you as a guy to go to to talk about some of these weird sightings and, and so they start looking up, you know, who can I contact about weird things and your name pops up? It may have been, but the first report that we got this year, uh, was, Posted on uh, Manuel Navarrete's UFO Clearinghouse, and he has sent me stories before, so we knew each other. So he sent this to me, and uh, you know, I, I was interested in it. I didn't know how true it was or anything. The woman hadn't been interviewed yet, so I posted it. And uh, not long after that, Mufon's uh, started receiving. A couple of reports as well. Now, I went ahead and and it was I guess it was two reports. I went ahead and posted those, and you know I started getting more and more interested in it because you know, frankly, I mean, if these people saw what they said they saw and had no knowledge of the flying humanoid phenomena, uh, they. Their descriptions were pretty coming pretty close to what people had described in Point Pleasant and other situations since then. And uh, so I started getting interested, and it kind of started a snowball. And I started putting out there that, you know, if you, you've had a sighting in Chicago or in, in the area, to contact me. And uh, Manuel and I have been getting the bulk of the reports. And and so this rolled out uh, like around April or so. People started reporting some of these sightings to you. Yeah, the first report came in early April. Now there have been some reports we received later from sightings in March, and of course there there was a sighting last year as well, and which I think is substantiated. And uh, of course there were three sightings back in 2011 that I included as part of this investigation. But at this point, as of yesterday, I, um, in 2007, we've gotten 33 reports just in 2017. So what, what is exactly are people reporting seeing to you? I mean, you mentioned, you know, very much like the Point Pleasant Mothman. So is it, we're talking like a, a humanoid type, flying figure with glowing red eyes type of thing? More or less. I mean, the first sighting pretty well mirrored the uh, the Mothman sightings from uh, Point Pleasant. The um, seven-foot-tall, very dark in color, 
a woman had walked up on it in the area of Oz Park, and uh, it was just standing there, and it, it was huge. And as she watched it, it turned and looked at her, and those red eyes looked right at her. And uh, she said it was like I was looking into its soul or something to that effect. And not long after, it, it shot up in the air like a rocket and unfurled its wings midair and took off. Hmm. And this is one of those stories, for those who aren't familiar with the, the Point Pleasant Mothman, you know, we've, we've talked about it for multiple episodes, and you can go back and, and hear whole episodes of that, but it's something that's become kind of part of the American mythology, that, that these winged humanoid creatures have been seen in other places, and, of course, Point Pleasant being the most famous, but this creature has been seen other places before. I've received reports of flying humanoids, gargoyle-like beings, large bat humanoids, you know, you know, it runs a gamut. But I've received reports for years now, ever since I've been doing this, all over the country. But, you know, the sightings themselves kind of concentrate in certain areas of the country, uh, upper Midwest, uh, mid-Atlantic area, Appalachia. They seem to have the most number of sightings. Now, uh, this group of sightings that has been occurring in, in Chicago, in my opinion, and I, I think I'm right about this, is probably the largest group of sightings of a being of this nature since Point Pleasant. Yeah, I think I thought I saw that there's been over, over 20 sightings. Uh, I have documented 38 sightings altogether. Wow. So and and I know that the original you know Point Pleasant Mothman there was there was only really just a handful that really survived as being considered authentic accounts. So you know this seems like it's it's much more prevalent and in a time when people are able to document these sightings better. I mean I'm sure you're getting I've seen some photographs online. I'm sure you're getting uh, imagery from people to corroborate their stories. Well, that that's been a big issue though. You know, the, most of the photos that we received are pretty indiscernible. Uh, this thing moves around pretty quickly. And it seems by the time people, and I, you know, I do b believe what the people are telling me, by the time they see it, it's gone. And, you know, they really haven't had much of a chance to get the, the cell phone out and take a photograph of it. Uh, a lot of these have been at night, so there's very little light in the area. Um but, you know, I, I think the shock value is the biggest hindrance to any photos being taken. Well, also that, too. But, I mean, if you look at the original Mothman reports, that the being that people were seeing kind of had a, a mesmerizing power over the witnesses. And maybe this one has the same type of thing where, as you're seeing it, you're kind of, you know, under its power for the, for the duration of that sighting. That may be possible. Some, uh, some of the uh, witnesses... I stated that they've had a sense of foreboding, fear. Uh, you know that we had one one sighting or two sightings in particular where this uh, the witnesses were right up to this thing, and you know they had no thought, even any thoughts about taking photographs to it. So there could be something to that. 
And as always, you know, when you get these type of reports, you have to look at the person that's reporting them as much as you are the information that you're getting. And, and I'm sure that, you know, you have to put a lot of these to the sniff test. But I thought I saw somewhere that one of the stories might have even come from a police officer, one of the sightings. Yeah, one of the sightings in the Auburn-Gresham neighborhood of Chicago uh, came directly from a police officer. He um, he was in that neighborhood. It was at night, and a whole group of people were standing out in front of this building looking up at something. They got flagged down by these, this group. He and his partner walked up to the building, looked up. It was a three-story building, and they saw what he could, called a shadow, a dark shadow, and when his eyes started to adjust, he described it as an emaciated, if it was a human itself, it was emaciated, um, but he could tell it was actually human, and uh, by the time they got their lights, their flashlights up to it, it took off, the wings unfurled, they took off toward the south. And it left, uh, as it was moving away, it was shrieking. Hmm. I, I know with the, and sorry, go ahead. the witnesses, a witness had told him and, uh, that this thing had been in the neighborhood for about two days previous to that. Oh, wow. I, I know that with the Point Pleasant Mothman sightings, there was some differentiation between some of the reported sightings. I mean, there was a lot of similarities too, but some of them also had different characteristics that they would report that others didn't remember seeing. Are you seeing kind of a, an across-the-board uh, similar description for this being, or are, are there still little minor differences from report to report? Well, the early reports kind of mirrored, like I said before, the Mothman, the feathers, the, the huge wings, mm -hmm. the, the big eyes. Uh, they kind of... Then people started calling it a lechusa or a, you know, a supernatural owl man. Um, then it kind of got, then it kind of progressed into a huge bat-like being with uh, membrane-like wings, uh, you know, shaped just like that of a huge bat. Um, most of the sightings say the wingspan runs anywhere from eight to ten foot. The beam runs anywhere from six to seven, some to eight foot tall, always dark in color. Um, you know, and they it moves. I mean, it flies in a nature that is just not it's just not natural. It can hover in midair without flapping its wings, uh, moves up and down vertically. And a lot of the sightings have had those large red flashing eyes. We also had two more two sightings where they got a very good look at it, and they said it had a uh, a pointed crest, small pointed crest coming from the back of its head. Hmm. So I mean, some there's been a variation of sightings. I personally believe just because of the locations and the way this thing has been seen and described, that there's probably at least three of these these beings in the area. So it's it's not one being being seen multiple times. It's multiple beings being seen multiple times. That's what I think. And with you know, when you think about it, you would think something that has a an, an eight foot wingspan probably does have some ability to soar. And by soar, I mean you know to be able to fly without having to to pump its wings multiple times. But it, it would also have to be something that is pretty enormous for people to be judging 
eight-foot wingspans from the ground. I mean, I, I know that I've seen eagles flying around, and I've thought that was one of the biggest wingspans that I've ever seen in the air, but I would never guess that it's eight feet from from being on the ground. So we're talking about something that must be very, very large in, the, in their field of vision. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they've seen it. Even when it's high up in the air, people talk about it ducking in and out of clouds. They've been able to see that it has some size to it. Is there anything in that area that people could be mistaking for this? I mean, I, I know obviously, you know, you, you look at, first of all, you know, some of the, the different uh, air air craft that we have now we were talking about you know people have drones now uh you look at some of the the flight paths of different planes and some of the small craft they might be using weather testing equipment all that stuff is there anything that you found in your research that might be fitting the bill of what it is that they're seeing and that they're just mistaken we've um we've looked into everything i believe we looked into the drones uh the way this thing maneuvers i i've got to discount that mm-hmm uh, as far as someone being in a squirrel suit, well, it, it, you know, they had, they had a, done a splat on one of those buildings by this time. And um, as far as natural, as far as being a large bird, uh, there are large birds in the area. There are uh, large vultures, buzzards, uh, herons, sometimes a, a sandhill crane will make its way into the area. But none of these descriptions even match closely to what those things are. And, and even so, because uh, I say even so, when ahead. you see one of those fly, you know you can recognize the the aerial ability of of a bird. Like you can, it doesn't matter if it's a little small bird or if it's a giant bird like Aaron. Like they're going to have the same characteristics in flight. Yeah, I mean, you know. They're, they'll get up into thermals and glide, and this thing does the same thing. But as far as being closer to the ground and getting around, this thing has been seen gliding close to the ground as well as flapping its wings and propelling, you know, with propulsion. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not a bird. I mean, you know, and the fact that it can it it's, can be up in the air, turn its head, and look back at someone, and then turn on a dime. Uh, that a bird can't do that. It, it just seems like uh, for everything that you think that it might be, there's there's one little defying characteristic to let you know, like, nope, it's not this, because there's just that one little thing that you say, well, if it even if it could be this, it wouldn't be able to do that. So it's like almost like it's got all the bases covered to make sure that nobody uh, misinterprets it as being something other than what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there, you know. These, there are enough variations in these descriptions to to discount it being something natural or man-made. And what's interesting about it too is that the the sightings have been, you know, they've they've kept going on. They, they, it's not like there's been uh, has there been any kind of a prolonged lull at all in in the amount of time. I mean, to have thirty something sightings, it, they must be happening pretty frequently. We did have a lull in 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 July. For about about four weeks, but then they picked up again, and then we started getting sightings. Old, I mean, sightings that had happened during that period. So you know, but we had like a four week period where we didn't get any reports at all. Well, I mean, I think people know, you know, that you're the person to go to for things like this. Running the Phantoms and Monsters website, you know, this is what you report on. This is your career. 
But what are some of the other folks in the area saying? What are what are people who work in in the uh, aerospace industry or zoologists or anything in that area? Are they following along with this as much as you are? Has this been something that's been entering into the public consciousness? I I have worked. I've- I've been working with several people that live in in around Chicago who know the area, the history, and uh, you know, and they're they're just as dumbfounded as I am. I I really haven't talked to any zoologists. Um, nobody has contacted me. That's a zoologist or a naturalist. You know, the fact that we have had several police officers verify that people are talking about this. This is making the rounds in the city. And that we've also had people who work in local government who have anonymously but have confirmed that City Hall definitely knows about what's going on as well. So as far as someone that's a professional coming out and, and making a claim or making an inquiry, no, that, that just hasn't happened. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned City Hall because I was looking at a story from, I think it was from the end of July, and in that story it mentioned that you had reached out to the Chicago Police Department and that they told you that they don't have anything in their database of any reports of sightings like this. And I, I think that, that that strikes me as being something that has to be a, a PR spin because if you're getting as many reports as you have, somebody has seen this thing and somebody has called the police, which means that they're either discounting these and not even bothering to enter them into the log, or they are purposely redacting them and, and not releasing any information about them. There had been, that, to my knowledge, four um, Freedom of Information Act applications sent to Chicago Police Department. And each one of them has come back to have no record of it. But they come back quickly. Hmm. You know, when you do a Freedom of Information Act application, it usually takes weeks if not months to even get any type of verification that they had anything, anything in, you know, in a record. These have come back within a week. I so, mean, that's... That in alone. my mind, somebody knows something. Right, I was gonna say they know more knows, what they're saying. And especially these days where, uh, you know, everybody is, I can tell you, you know, we, we, we're in New Bedford, Massachusetts, we broadcast from, and this is a, a small city of about 90,000 people, but there's an entire Facebook group dedicated to people who just sit around listening to the police scanner all day, and they post all of the calls that are up there. And if something like this was getting put out over the radio, there'd be people that are sharing it and being like, hey, I just heard on the scanner this happened. So it almost seems like if they're getting these calls, they must have a, a, a an edict to have radio silence when it comes to dealing with them. Yeah, I believe that's the case. I haven't heard anything about any dispatcher or any 911 calls coming through. Um, but then again, none of the witnesses who I have talked to have mentioned about calling 911. So... That probably tells you something right there. Well, I mean, I, I think, too, like they know that you're uh, a friendly audience to, to take one of these reports because you're not going to judge them, but they may be afraid that law enforcement might kind of say, okay, what have you been taking tonight? Yeah, right. That's right. But still, with this type of 
you know, activity with this high level of sightings, has there been anything in your career and and all the things that you've documented where you've seen this many sightings of something in such a small amount of time? No, I haven't. I mean, this is this is unique. This is, in my opinion, historical because I have no knowledge of anything like this ever happening. Even even Point Pleasant. I mean, that was um, those sightings were kind of sporadic within a year period before the the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which you know they blamed as the Mothman being a harbinger of or doom or disaster, but there were actually a few sightings after that. And in fact, in the area around Point Pleasant, there have been Mothman sightings for years. So, uh, but the, the, you know, the, the fact that these sightings are in the last four or five months that we've gotten so many, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, how to classify it, but it is historical in my opinion. And and I've seen that you've gone on the record with uh, with some of the media that's been reporting on this and, and saying that you don't feel that this being is any kind of a harbinger. You don't think that there's anything to worry about, like w- where Point Pleasant ties in their Mothman sightings with the collapse of the Silver Bridge. You don't think there's any kind of impending doom coming from these sightings? No, I don't. I don't really buy into that harbinger or doom. Do you, Do you think that the theory. original? Uh, do you think the original Mothman was tied into the bridge collapse? No, yeah, I really don't. I think that was per- perpetuated by John Keel for the most part. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on other than the Mothman sightings at the Point Pleasant area. You had the Men in Black, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of UFO activity. So, um, you know, frankly, Point Pleasant in the area around is a pretty strange place. Yeah, absolutely. There, you know, we've, we've had Dogman sightings in or around that area, all kinds of weird stuff. So um, yeah, I, I've I've heard a lot of things from there. Have there been? I mean, of course, you document all kinds of different types of of activity with your site, Phantoms and Monsters. Has there been other types of sightings? I mean, obviously, it's not injured cold knocking on everybody's door, but have there been increased reports of other high strangeness around Chicago at the same time as as these winged creature sightings? You know, that's what's interesting. You know, Chicago and and, and the. Um, Lake Michigan area has always had a reputation for a lot of UFO activity and a lot of paranormal activity. And for whatever reason, that doesn't seem to be as prevalent as it has been during other periods. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the UFO sightings, for the most part, are, have waned off. So it seems like everything else is kind of going quiet while this, whatever it is, 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 is having its time in the, in the paranormal spotlight. It appears to be that way. I mean, it, it, unless it's just something that we're missing. But uh, my colleague, Butch Wachowski, and I have been watching the uh, UFO reporting centers, and there is just very little coming out of the Chicago area. I know that, and, and I think this has to kind of enter into the discussion a little bit, and I don't want to turn this political at all, but when you look at what Chicago is going through, there's a lot of strife in that city right now. There's a lot of uh, there's a high level of crime going on. There's also a lot of uh, you know political unrest. There's all the situation with Chicago insisting on retaining its sanctuary city policies, even though it's going to lose all kinds of funding from the federal government in doing so. There's a lot of socioeconomic things going on in Chicago right now that makes it very unique amongst the rest of the country. 
Do you feel like there's any possibility that that atmosphere is tied into these sightings one way or another? I believe personally that these type of beings, and I have seen it in other places, these type of beings show up when there's dysfunction. And if you look at the overall situation with Chicago, uh, I, I, I can safely say there's dysfunction there. So uh, that very may very well be a factor. Though I, you know, I had a reporter call me the other day and asked me, said, uh, "Do you do you believe these uh, these flying humanoid sightings in Chicago can be uh, can be blamed on the Trump administration?" And of course, I wasn't going to give him an answer on that. I don't I don't need I don't need to be on his Twitter feed. So uh, I don't, <laughs> I, you know, you know, a lot of people have a lot of theories. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem that these type of things can be associated with dysfunction. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility that uh, there could be knowledge within the administration, that there could be, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, the, a report could have crossed somebody's desk here or there that they're aware of it. But I don't know if anything they could do to cause it. I mean, I can't see Steve Bannon getting up that high. <laughs> no, but it's it, no. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Although we haven't seen Jared I mean, Kushner I, for a while. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I think these beings are flesh and blood. I really do. I I think they're, but I think they're supernatural as well. I mean, in to the extent that they're not they're not here twenty four seven. They are coming in from someplace else. They're either a portal or a wormhole or whatever you want to call it. I just think it's coming from another reality, and it's coming in for specific reasons, or there's something tearing the fabric of uh, the veil. I don't know. Maybe this thing is leaking in and out. I I, I just don't know. But um, but you, you felt know, you it, felt you know, that way it, about other you felt that way about other beings of this kind though too. It's not. I mean, it's not exclusively just this. I remember talking about that no, with, I, with the Sykesville I, monster. Yeah, I think um, I, I think a lot of the cryptid sightings that people experience and are have something to do with uh, alternate realities. I really do. I, um, I I think there's a close association between Bigfoot sightings, particularly Bigfoot sightings in the, on the East Midwest, as opposed to these. Uh, North Pacific. I think those, those may be actual natural for the most part, <clears throat> but the sightings that are being seen in the east, the eastern part of the United States and the central part of the United States, I, I believe those are probably some type of uh, uh, non-terrestrial being. If, if you don't mind my asking, what what would be the differentiation as to why you would think one would be, uh, you, you know, a naturally occurring, and the other would be an interdimensional. What 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 is the differentiation for you between the two? Well, the fact that they seem to disappear a lot, and that a lot of the descriptions of these uh, these hominids or whatever you want to call them, uh, they've got more of a human aspect to them. The one I saw, the Sykesville monster. It reminds you of a Neanderthal. I think there, I think there is a tear in the fabric. I think there is some way that 
you know, reality is, is our reality is subject to other realities and that these beings, and I'm talking several types of cryptids, uh, are, are not necessarily natural, but I think they're coming from someplace else. So, they, I mean, they're a flesh and blood being when they're here, but they just can go somewhere else very easily. Yeah, I do believe that. When I when I hear reports about something like this where, you know, you might if you get one or two of them, I tend to think, okay, somebody's mistaking something for something else or, you know, it, it could be anything as simple as they don't understand what a certain bird looks like in flight or maybe it's even a, a kite or something. But when you get the amount of sightings that you've had and the amount of sightings that you brought in, I mean, that's something that starts to get people, instead of just hearing these stories, it starts to get people out there looking for these things. And is that something that you have heard about? Are people actually going out and kind of having, like, you know, searching parties where they're out spending the night looking up at the sky, waiting to see if they see one of these beings? Yeah, that, that has been a problem. I have a, had a lot of people contacting me. You know, when you put your contact information out there, you're kind of going to leave yourself open to all kinds of communication. And, uh, I have a lot of people asking me how they can catch this thing, where they should go. And I, I just try to stay out of that. I mean, I'm just trying to get an idea of what this thing is. If somebody would happen to come across one of them, then fine. You know, we'll go from there. But I am not advocating anybody go out and start hunting for this thing. But even, I mean, even just trying to, you know, be a little bit more vigilant when you're outside, you know, maybe looking up at the sky a little bit more, that can't hurt because, you know, if, if you're paying a little bit more, I mean, as long as you're not driving and <laughs> looking up at the sky, but, you know, <laughs> while you're out taking your walk, you, you glance up at the sky a few times, that, that probably can, can be more beneficial to anything. I wonder just if there's more people paying attention to them, then maybe they'll show themselves more, if you get what I'm saying. You know, the fact that uh, you're giving the energy to this it will respond in kind. Yeah, I believe that's true. I mean, I think people are keeping an eye out, uh, and and I know and and I know the 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 word's gotten out. I I'd say in the past, oh, I don't know, maybe last four or five weeks, I I get anywhere from ten to twenty phone calls a day, wow. from just regular people calling me that are scared to death of what this thing may be. And is it limited to just Chicago and, like, the immediate suburbs, or are we getting similar creatures popping up in other places? Well, there I have been told that there have been two sightings in the Milwaukee area during this period. I can't verify that. I'm, I'm just been, I was told by someone who's well-known in the, the cryptozoology field. Uh, of course, you know, Linda Godfrey had reported on the, the Bat Squatch sightings in the La Crosse area of Wisconsin years ago. And, you know, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin have been known for large flying anomalies or fire, I mean, uh, Thunderbirds uh, for years now. So, I mean, I know, just... It's it, something that's, indig I mean, indigenous to the area. Yeah, I mean, people have made reports I, I mean, I just literally threw up a, a map real fast of uh, 
of both Milwaukee and Chicago just to see. And, you know, they're, they're about 90 miles apart from each other, both on the shores of Lake Michigan. So, I mean, you could be talking about the same beings. I, I'm sure, I, again, I, I'm not an eight-foot wingspan flying creature, but I can imagine 90 miles is pretty easy to cover if uh, if you have that type of flight ability. Yeah, they may very well be getting the same type of thing up there. Yeah, it's it's not that far away. It's on the lake as well. Is the lake has something to do with it? Well, you know, most of the sightings have been along the lakefront from Chicago, north Chicago, down south into the Indiana border. Uh, there are a lot of marshy areas in there. Uh, that may have something to do with it. Um, I don't know. I mean, but... There, it does seem to have some draw to water, but then again, you know, we've had other sightings that weren't any weren't anywhere near water. So, um, you know, like I said before, it's an enigma. We just don't know what the reason is, you know. But the fact that it's being seen in areas with a high concentration of people a lot of times it is kind of fascinating to me. It, it, it's putting itself out there. And and how have these people been having these sightings? What have been the circumstances? Are they out walking? Are they are they driving? How how have a lot of these? Uh, you know, if you had to kind of put your finger on what you would say is some of the most common ways they're sighted. It's usually people that are just out um, milling about. You know, you know, spending their the regular part of their day, or you know, just enjoying the time they have to be out walking around it's uh we've had joggers we've had families we've had couples who've been walking the dog or something to like that or yeah it's just been nothing in particular just uh it's just normal activity and people come across this thing or for most part that comes across them and has it been during a specific window of time or is it day or night or uh, it's been all all periods of time. It's been day and night, but for the most part, uh, it's anywhere from nine to midnight local time. So it's a, it's at a part where it's it's dark, and uh, and, and so yeah. if you see something like red glowing eyes, you know you're gonna know the you're gonna know what you're seeing if it's uh, something that's happening at night. But we haven't had the you know the glowing eyes haven't been mentioned in some of the reports, so um, you know. Maybe they just turned them maybe on if, when they need to. <laughs> maybe they just turned them off somehow. I don't know. It's like, honey, turn the headlights on. Oh, yeah, right, right. No, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, if you had to say the the one kind of, uh, you know, the one defining characteristic, would it be the, the size of the creature and the size of the wingspan? Is that probably the one thing that's the most common amongst the reports? Because you, you've mentioned some of the different features that people have reported, but there must be some pretty common traits, too. Yeah, I'd say the... Um the body description, um, the dark color, the wingspan, and the height are fairly consistent. Uh, the way it moves has been fairly consistent, though. You know, the the actual confrontations have been there have been a, two or three very personal like encounters, but. Uh, uh, in particular, the one we had on 1400 North Shore, Lakeshore Drive back on August the 9th, that was, uh, that was remarkable. And, uh, that, you know, that was very close and personal. What, what were the circumstances of that sighting? 
Well, that was on Wednesday, August 9th. It was about 9.20 p.m. Central Time. It was at the location was 1400 North Shore Lakeshore Drive and East Shiller Street. The witness and her husband, and they were visiting. They were visiting her parents. They were from Washington, D.C. Uh, her parents lived at 1400 uh, North Lakeshore Drive in a condominium. Uh, she was born and raised in Chicago. So anyway, they were, um, they were taking a brief walk along North Lakeshore Drive, walking south. As they approached East Schiller, East Schiller Street, they noticed something large and dark flying towards them from their left, which was the direction of Lake Michigan. Um, both witnesses were startled as this flying being crossed ahead of them at an altitude of about 20 feet or so. They watched it sweep upwards over the trees in front of 1400 Lakeshore Drive, then stop in midair after it reached a height just a few stories from the top of the building. It hovered with a large pair of wings for approximately five seconds as it seemed to be focused on a set of windows like it was looking in it and just sitting there. Uh, then it bent backwards and fell into a deep dive towards the trees. The witnesses hurriedly walked in the direction of the intersection and then turned right onto East Shower Street, quickly walking towards the entrance to the condominium building. But then suddenly this large winged being slowly descended in front of them they're more than 20 foot away. It hovered for about about five feet above the sidewalk with its wings spread wide open and then peered at the couple with its large, bright red eyes that slowly altered back and forth in intensity. Uh, several people on the other side of the street, including a delivery van driver, reacted to screams and frightened yelps. The winged being hovered for about 10 seconds and quickly pulled the wings onto its body and shot up quickly into the night sky. There was no sound other than a rush of air as it uh, flew upwards. Uh, the description of the being was that it was human-like with a small head that narrowed at the top. It had legs like a human with long feet that tapered. Neither witness noticed any arms. The body was five to six feet in height. It had wide wings that resembled the top wings of a butterfly attached along the body. Hmm. In fact, the illumination from the building entrance could be seen through the wings, so it looked to be made of a skin or a membrane. The uh, wingspan was easily 10 foot or more, and the legs pulsated as it hovered in the air. The overall color was very dark, like a deep bluish green, and the skin on the body may have been moist since it was shining. It was glistening. Uh, the, art, the eyes were large compared to the head, uh, slightly slanted and altered, alternated back and forth in brightness. Made no sound other than a slight humming from the pulsated legs. That was a new one. I hadn't heard that one before. Mm, yeah. Uh, both, both witnesses stated that they felt a vibration that emanated from the being. And the witness did not... S- uh, did see at least one camera flash come from across the street. 
Neither witness was able to retrieve their phones. The fear and shock was just too profound during the encounter. Uh, the witness said she literally fell to her knees after the incident and that her husband had to assist her the rest of the way. Uh, and by the time I talked to them, within, which was 18 hours later, neither one of them had had much sleep. And in fact, they were supposed to leave Chicago the next day, and she told me she has a new condition to get on plane. So I don't know when they left. Well, I already know that my co-host Stephanie would want nothing to do with this because you described uh, the creature using one of her least favorite words in the world when when you said it was described as moist. So she's out. <laughs> you hate that word, right? No, that's yeah. That I, I, I had heard that, that word. before, but I have heard people say that. It, it, there did seem to be some type of shining on the body from, you know, from, you know, lights in the area. But, you know, they were pretty close to this thing. So. It is. That's that's really interesting because it's like it, you've got to think it must have like a scaly type of almost like a reptilian type of, of skin. Yeah. yeah, this this actually the description and I and I bannered this about with a couple of people. It actually seemed like it was like a insect like body. Hmm. Um. I don't know, you know. I don't know if that's fat, what it is, but it, it did seem to have the insect like an insect like exoskeleton type body with the shining body. So I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that's followed your work and knows where you uh, have done a bulk of your research, and also they heard you pronounce the word water, so they know that you're from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because people make fun of the way we say car. Yeah. So have you had the opportunity yet to go out to Chicago yourself and, and, and to try to, you know, maybe have a first-hand encounter with this, or would you want to? Well, you know, I'd like to. I mean, it's it's just not in the cards right now, though. Uh, my colleague Butch and I might figure something out. We might get out there. Um, but we've got we've got people out there now. Right. And they're, they're, you know, they're doing a good job, and, you know, they're keeping everything... You know, when we get a site and they check it out and we get as much information we can from it. But uh, I got to say, the witnesses themselves have been excellent. Um, you know, this, I, I really, I've been doing this for a long time now. And, and these witnesses have been as forthright as any as I've ever had. And in fact, I have tried to get them to embellish on their, on their original description and they just won't do it. It's almost like it's ingrained in them. I mean, you also do a heavy amount of work in your own home region, and, and there's no shortage of strange stories where you live. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, the, the, these flying humanoid-type beings, are they are within the mythology of this area. And, and, in fact, I had an encounter back in 88, and I know they're around here. I mean, but you've covered all kinds of strange stories over the years. Uh, just it seems like, and and it's not just your work. I mean, obviously you've done a great job in chronicling all this, but talking to some other people that are from the Pennsylvania area, there's just, it runs the gamut of every type of, of, of strangeness there. You guys, it's it's like your whole state is like our Bridgewater Triangle, especially Western yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, there's some really hot, big hot spots in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, they're... There are a lot of researchers. I well, Stan Gordon, uh, Timothy Renner, Butch Wachowski, uh Eric Altman. All, all of us have had, you know, some really strange accounts over the years. And uh, yeah, Pennsylvania is uh, 
you know, it, it's an unusual state because there's a lot of wilderness in this state. People don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of places for things to hide, too. Well, and that's the thing is, like, you know, when you get out to especially the western side of the state or, or some of these more rural areas, you're talking about places where things could hide, where, you know, UFOs could land and nobody would ever see them or cryptid beings could exist for hundreds of years and nobody would come across them. And and you've had everything there. You've had these UFO sightings. You've had, you know, werewolf sightings. You've had all kinds of strange creatures that have come through there, and it's it's almost like... I, I don't know what it is. I, I can't put my finger on why they would be drawn to that area, except for maybe, like you said, the ability to hide. Yeah, and you know, overall, Pennsylvania is a fairly conservative state, um, especially people who live out in the rural areas. And, uh, you know, they're not prone to exaggeration or contacting a paranormal investigator to put a report out. Uh, and very rarely they want their their names used. And the fact that we do get the reports that we get, I mean, attest to that there's something definitely going on. While these sightings have been going on in Chicago, have you been getting any kind of increased activity where you are of of any type? It could be you know anything from from ghosts to to increased UFO sightings or anything. Has there been any kind of elevated sightings where you are? No, actually, it has decreased. It really has. Wow. That just seems to be the overall, I don't know, it's just like everything is taking its energy and going to the Chicago area. That's what it feels like to me anyway. It's we, very... we just have not had the reports that, you know, and even in Pennsylvania, we just have not had that many reports at, like we normally do. Hmm. I wonder if we start reaching out to like other researchers in other parts of the country, if they would report the same thing, if they say, you know what, it's been abnormally quiet here too, that maybe this is kind of all, I mean, all that weirdness, all of that, everything that is beyond our, our, our normal rational thought, maybe it's all kind of congregating in that one area. It would be interesting to find out. Yes, it would be. And if if that's the case, I'm sure Rahm Emanuel would have no problem standing up and saying, you know, see, look, you know, you can't change anything with Chicago because we've we've even got immigrant winged creatures coming here, so we have to protect all of them. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's, it's well, a, you know, I, I don't know how much I don't know how much politics has to do with it. But, listen, uh, all I'm saying, Lon, is if they put up the border wall, it's not going to stop these things from coming in. No, no, it won't. <laughs> so they'll just fly right over it. Uh, but maybe that's it. Maybe they heard that, you know, Chicago is a sanctuary city. They're like, hey, if they'll accept immigrants, they'll accept us. Why not just fly in? Uh, wh- what I find interesting, too, is that, uh, like you said, when you're getting these reports, you're getting them from a cross-section of society. You're getting them from people who actually have something to lose from making up a story so that you've got to think that, you know, you, you've got a built-in layer of trust, especially when law enforcement is reporting things. I mean, that's always when, whenever... And, and we hear it all the time with police officers. It's always like, I'm going to tell you this, but I never told you this. Right. And so you'll get the story from them, but they'll never kind of go on the record with it. But still, you know that if they're willing to at least talk about it when they know the risks associated with it, it must have been pretty profound for them. Well, I will say this, and I'm not going to name names, but this sighting I just described uh, the husband, who didn't want to really talk a whole lot, but he did. He's a well-known professional athlete. Ah. Wow. Well, and we are getting we are getting sightings 
from professionals, lawyers, people that, you know, that are well-known in the area. Can, can, you, at least, can you at least narrow it, down, narrow it down to a sport for me? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I find that baseball players are more superstitious than the rest, and, and they're a little bit more willing to... To talk about things, but I've I've heard some I've heard some interesting tales in in professional sports locker rooms, so I know exactly what you mean. Uh, especially if uh, you know if it's a contract year, they really don't want to say anything because then they say, "Do we want to give them the big money? Maybe we have to have them mentally evaluated first. So now uh, I assume that if uh, you know this, our our show is listened to worldwide, so I'm sure we have a, a good amount of people that listen to us in the Chicago area. Is there a way that people can reach out to you if they have sightings or if they've had one that they want to report to you? Yeah, the best way is to either call me directly, and it's uh, 410-241-5974, or send me an email at lawnstrickler at phantomsandmonsters.com. And then, uh, of course, I'm sure you have a, a process when these reports come in of how you weed them out and know like which ones are are worth following or do you just kind of follow everyone until it until it leads you to a point where it just doesn't feel right you know it's always been my policy with any type of investigation to give the witness the benefit of the doubt until i figure otherwise and you know i i do want to talk to them if possible i want to get as much information and uh see how they answer questions and uh, you know and i go from there i just wonder what will happen if you know if you hit another, you know, if there's an extended lull and, you know, maybe maybe something happens, uh, maybe there's, and again, I don't want to wish anything bad to happen, but maybe, maybe there's something that goes down and then people are like, well, you know, that's what these things were around for. Like, it becomes almost one of those things where you just are going to start assigning anything that happens. You're going to assign it to this because you think that you want it to be a harbinger of something. So that, that's the only thing that I worry about with this, is that something will go wrong and then it becomes these creatures are to blame. Yeah, and, and that's that kind of concerns me as well. You know, I've received all kinds of theories from a lot of people about what may or may not happen in the Chicago area, and, you know, I'm just not going to go there. I, you know, I, I, I do recognize what people thought about Point Pleasant and the Silver Bridge, Though I don't buy into that, and you know there, <laughs> there have been other instances of uh, disaster where people, after the fact, would come and say, "Well, we saw this flying thing here, this flying thing there." I mean, uh, the the bridge collapse in Minneapolis is a good example. Chernobyl, uh, Fukushima. You know, after the fact, people say, "Oh yeah, we saw this thing flying around," and uh, you know, I, I'm just not buying that. See, I, I personally think that the sign of the apocalypse is coming out of Chicago, but I don't think it's these winged creatures that people are seeing. I think it was the Cubs winning the World Series. Uh, I think now that that's happened, impending doom. Yeah, you were surprised as much as I was, believe me. <laughs> All right, Lon. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And again, Phantoms and Monsters is the website. If you want to check it out, phantomsandmonsters.com. Go there. Read some of the – you're just going to fall down the rabbit hole, and the next thing you know, you're going to be like, where'd three hours go? Because you're just going to read all these great stories, all the different encounters that Lon has had both personally and collected over the years. Uh, and, of course, they can follow along with all your work on, on that website and online, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and keep us up to date with everything that's going on. Thanks again, and I will. All right. Have a great night. That is Lon mm-hmm. Strickler. Again, uh, if you have a, a sighting that you want to report to him, you can do so. Just go to his website, phantomsandmonsters.com. You'll find all of his contact information. And as I said, I'm not kidding. You will lose, like, many hours <laughs> just going through and reading these stories, but it's time well spent. Uh, it is absolutely fascinating the career that he's had and just documenting these mm-hmm. things. And what's funny and what I like about Lon is that no story is too weird for him. Right. You know, whatever stories comes in, he will follow them and he will see exactly where it leads. And he does when other researchers don't, he does look at the bigger picture of how all these different types of phenomena can be connected. Like we, as I mentioned, you know, when I was talking to him for, uh, ghost stalkers it was an episode about a haunted hospital and he was telling me about the sykesville monster that he had a personal mm-hmm. sighting of and we started to say well wait a minute if this weird creature is seen and all this ghostly activity is happening like maybe there's a connection right and that is i'm hoping that if haunted towns is successful and they bring it back for another season and they're willing to let us kind of expand the boundaries a little bit more. I'm hoping we can eventually start doing those type of tie-ins with stuff. Interesting. So it doesn't just have to be about ghost activity, but maybe all kinds of weirdness that happens. Right. So. I like that idea. I do too, because that's what as I like to do as a researcher. As long as there's no aliens. Uh, well, sometimes that can play into it as well. You know, at least the reported sightings of them. You know, sometimes mm. it, it does, it does factor in. It does. It just scares me. That's all. Well, again, it could just be sightings of them. It doesn't mean that they're actually there. <laughs> right. You know, and it could just be that it's a form that something took. As uh, You missed the episode where we were talking about the boogeyman, but, you know, we talked about that idea that, you know, sometimes these things can come in as different right. types of entities that will scare you. So, I don't know. All I know is that if uh, if these winged creatures start showing up around here, right, I'm going to be a little bit worried. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, no, mainly I'm going to be worried that the turkeys have started to figure out how to fly. <laughs> then, right. we're, then we're all screwed. Yep. We were just, I was just talking about this with my son last night. I was telling him how, you know, when I was a kid, I don't think I ever saw a turkey in the wild. Really? No, never. Never. You know what? I didn't either. I didn't until I moved three miles away. It was, It yeah, but when was that? Around the same time period of what I'm talking about. Is it? Yeah, because... I, I don't know. It was probably like within the last 10 years. I was going to say, that I it started was about seeing, six years ago. That I started seeing turkeys in the wild. Before that, I never remember seeing them. Right. Now I see them every day. Mm-hmm. Like, even where I live. I've lived where I've lived for over 10 years. <laughs> and in the early days <laughs> of living there, of I never saw turkeys. Hmm. Now it's nonstop. Now, like, I leave the house and they're walking in front of my house. So the, yeah, the that's turkeys, what happened to me about six years ago. The turkeys are taking over the world. They, they could be. You know, what I, you know what I saw today? What? I have a gigantic groundhog in my Do yard. you? <laughs> yes. He lives under my shed. Okay. And my dog is like obsessed with trying to catch him. Right. I was like, you're not going to catch him. First yeah, of all, I leave him alone. In my yard. But I, I, I don't think I've ever had one in all the years. I apparently have had a snake forever. Have you? Yes. Okay. This I was unaware of. This, uh, so I was, I was, uh, the beginning of the season, you know, I think it was the first time I mowed the lawn this year, and I'm trimming back some of the bushes in front of the house, and all of a sudden, this gigantic, I'm talking huge garter no, snake. You. Nope. 
Well, I mean, I could tell it was a garter snake. Right, no. So I was, still, I wasn't. Still okay. <laughs> but it just comes out. I mean, and this thing is like mm-hmm. large. It's long, but it's also like really thick around. And it crawled That's out from, from the bush. And it. <laughs> so it crawls out from under the bush, and mm-hmm. it's like going over by my staircase. And I'm like, how does this snake get up the stairs? But he got up the stairs. Yes, they do. And there's this one little tiny crack, maybe about that big around in my stairs. Like uh, yep. in the brick. And so he climbs into that and he goes down and that's, I guess, where he lives. Nope. And so no, I s- said something to my wife. I was like, we saw Adam and I saw a huge snake. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's been there forever. Like he's been there for like years since Adam was little. And I was like, the same snake? She's like, oh, yeah. He always, he's always out in front of the house. It's like I never saw him before. That's terrifying. Mm. And I thought about like, should I just like spackle that? hole shut and she's like no leave him alone he's fine like he doesn't bother anything he's probably eating other things that we don't want in the yard probably so i'm like okay like i get there's there's a lot of things that i just want to kill when i see them snakes don't really bother me spiders would be that for me yeah i don't like spiders bees Bees i'm terrified of yes so like when i see these like i want to just kill them Mm -hmm. and everybody tells me like no you're there's like an ecosystem here right 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 don't mess with it like the the thing that I love the most, like I let my grass grow high, and people are like, "Why do you let your grass grow so high? Why do you take mm-hmm. so long to mow your lawn?" I was like, "Because when I, my grass grows high, the dragonflies come in. When the dragonflies right. come in, all the bees go away." Very true. I so, like that. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. Keeping it uh, keeping it natural. <laughs> I had a, I was at lunch today, and uh, I mean, I'm allergic to bees, so we had one hovering over our food because we were eating outside, and. Um, it kept happening over and over again, and the friend that I was with had said, oh, I, yeah, I feel bad. I don't want to kill it because, you know, everybody's big on the Save the Bees movement. I said, no, no you're no. not supposed to kill honeybees. That's a jerk. Right. We can kill the jerk. <laughs> wasps and hornets. Yes. I, I still have not found the reason why they exist. No, and now I have great black wasps in my yard. Have you seen those? Uh, probably. They're two inches long. Yeah, I've probably seen Are those the ones that are in the ground? Yes. They're the, terrifying. Well, what's worse about them is that they fight. Yes. That that's I found that out when I went to go play golf one day years ago. Oh. And uh, in this golf course, they had an all dirt parking lot. Mm. So I pull in in the morning. You know, it's early. I park my car. Yep. I grab my clubs out of the back. I go and I play golf. And when I say I go and I play golf, I mean it took me like four hours to play nine holes because I suck at golf. <laughs> so I come back. It's like lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And all I can see throughout the entire parking lot are these holes in the ground yes. and these hornets flying out of there and fighting with each other in midair. Yes. Yep, I see that every day. Now. And I just stood there and said, I can't get to my car. And the guy who worked at the golf course was like, just go. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just go. They won't bother you. I'm like, yes, they will. They're already fighting each other. Right. Like, they're going to walk. It's like when you walk down the street and you see two guys fighting with each other. Yeah, you don't want to walk through that. And, and you're like, hey, you guys. Like, I'm just passing through. And they look at each other and say, let's just both kick this guy's ass instead. Yes. You know, and that's what's going to happen if I go through there. So, thankfully, I don't have to deal with that. You know, if I if I see holes in my yard, like I immediately like cover them up with dirt because I'm afraid right. that that's what they are. Which <laughs> which probably sucks for like the the groundhog. Eh, probably but, figure it out. But like this guy is huge and fat, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I don't know what you've been eating, but it looks <laughs> like you're eating better than I am. Right? They're mean. L- I heard. last week we had an, had an event. And at the end of the night, we were loading everything back up into the car, mm-hmm. and I saw the Historical Society take the trash out. 
Yes. And put it on the front steps. Mm-hmm. When nobody said anything about the trash. I was like, well, maybe somebody's going to come by and pick right. it up. So the next night, the Historical Society calls me and says, nobody got the trash. Nobody picked the trash up. You guys were supposed to take the trash. I was like, I was unaware we were supposed to take the trash. Yep. And so I was like, okay, so I'll go get the trash. So I go and I get the trash. Mm-hmm. Now, I had already brought home all the pizza boxes, mm-hmm. 15 pizza boxes. I threw those away. Yep. And so now, like, I really don't have any room left in my barrel for the trash, so I kind of shove it in there, but I get it in there. Yep. And then I go out there a couple days later, and, like, something had ripped open the bag at the top of the trash, and it gotten into it. Like, there was no trash all around, but the mm-hmm. hole was in the bag. And so I, I just happened to say to my wife, and she was getting out of the car, so that's weird. Like, something opened up the top of the bag, but, like, didn't, like, pull everything all over the place. And <clears throat> she even said then, she's like, maybe it was a groundhog. Mm-hmm. And so when I said, I just saw the groundhog, she's like, yeah, I've seen him out there. He's huge. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I told you there was probably the groundhog that got into the trash. I was like, no way. That groundhog was able to climb up the trash <laughs> Cause barrel. Because he's big. Because he's just big and Hey, you fat. didn't think the snake could climb the stairs, so don't That's underestimate true. that groundhog. Well, this this ends this week's episode of The Weird, weird World of Weisberg's Yard. <laughs> right. Join us next week when we'll be joined by Lauren Coleman to try to explain to me what it is that lives in the bushes next to my shed. There's, oh a, God. there's, there's a lot of wildlife in my yard for being surrounded by other houses. But hey, I get a lot of weird stuff in mine too. So it's, it's, it's the, it's the fact that uh, I just let n- nature run its course out there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like whatever happens. It's just <laughs> as much your yard as it is mine. It's the coyotes, they come through. There's like there's a stray cat that's well, I guess he's not a stray, but he's like never in his house. Right. But he always comes through. There's Matt, eventually I have to have you come over to my house. I have like three grills in my yard. Okay. Because like I've just like been Maybe the groundhog's using one of them. No, no, the hornets live in them. Oh. So awesome. I have to have Matt come and remove them. <laughs> Matt comes to my house and gets rid of the hornets for me. Okay. That's we have an agreement. He <laughs> takes care of the nests. I go get some beer, <laughs> and that's how we work it out. But I I did take care of one on my own. Wow, it's fancy. I did uh, I did open up one because I was I I have three grills for a reason. Okay. I had one that I totally rebuilt that mm-hmm. is a great grill, and then uh, I got another one, mm-hmm. and I was going to rebuild that one, and. Because we have a neighborhood association and everything. I was going right. to rebuild that one leave it down the beach. And then I didn't realize that they already had one. But this mm-hmm. was my thinking when I got it. And then somebody gave us another grill. Mm-hmm. And so I had that out there. Okay. So all three grills are kind of like in an area. And sometimes when I'm cooking, like, you know, I will use multiple grills. And I'll use two because I only have two tanks. But I went and I opened up one. And I immediately slammed it. Hornets! <laughs> and then I opened up the other one. Hornets! And then I slammed down. This is like the beginning of the summer. And then I opened up the third one. I was like, hornets, but not as many. <laughs> so I left that one open. <laughs> and then I ran into the house. Hornets, but not as many. And I got the hornet spray, and I sprayed down the nest. And I killed every hornet that was in there. And I sprayed the crap out of the nest. And I just left it like that. And it's okay. like still, and it's been like two months. So my wife keeps saying, like, I think it's okay if you want to just go pull that nest out of there now and actually cook on the grill. I'm like, nope. We have to get you one of those electric rackets. As soon as the like as soon hours. as a hornet has been in the grill, it's dead <laughs> to me. No, I can't use that grill ever again. My so, goodness. I, I've actually been looking online and been like, really? Who, who has like a grill they're giving away that I can go pick up? Why don't you just sell the ones you have? Nobody wants to buy them. 
You don't know that. I just have to throw them away. I need I need to because get I need to get Walter to come to my house. Is the biggest <laughs> thing, but I don't want Walter to come to my house. It's a catch twenty two. There's this guy. I, I turned your mic down, man. Ah, really that's fine. There's this guy that we know. I was gonna say nobody knows who Walter is, but do tell. Well, there's this guy that lives in our town, who goes around picking up all of the, all of the scrap metal mm-hmm. for free because he goes and he cashes it in. But like the good thing about it is like a lot of people that will just pick up free scrap metal, they'll be like, yeah, put it out in front of your house in a pile and I'll come by and get it. Walter will like go into your yard and pick it all up and he's like, no, don't worry about it, I'll carry it back there. But you still got to kind of watch him out the window because you want to make sure he's not taking something that he's not supposed to because he's weird. Awesome. <laughs> and he also has a tendency. And he's from like some country. <laughs> We're not we sure. Have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's like. It's fr- kind of in the middle. It's like, if that makes sense. Strange. In the middle of what? I don't know. But it's in the middle. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's from Fredonia, the country they made up for, for uh, duck soup. Right. Because like he has this weird accent that you can't place. It's kind of Canadian, but kind of Eastern European. You got Canadian. Okay. I never got Canadian. No, until, Canadian. no but now that you I mention thought, it, I Canadian makes bit. sense. Right. It's kind of like hey. I talk like this. <laughs> wow, it's, it's okay. weird. And then he has that like doesn't the, do it justice. His, no? his laugh is ridiculous. That's the only impression. See, no, Tim's that he impressions can't do. are usually on point. So usually that one's they not are. On point? My no. impressions okay. are only on point if it's somebody that nobody knows. Okay. But uh, his laugh <laughs> is ridiculous because like he will laugh like. <laughs> oh god! It's like so weird, and he has no teeth. And he had one. Does he listen two? to the show? No. He had a couple. No, he doesn't listen to the show. And we're only on YouTube, but he does have a computer. And I know that he has a computer because, uh, first of all, he found the computer in the trash okay. like when somebody was like throwing away a bunch of stuff. But I know that he has a computer because he frequently gets kicked out of McDonald's oh. because he sits there all day drinking one cup of coffee to use their free Wi-Fi. Okay. So like he's actually not allowed because like I normally I would just go to Walmart and I mean uh, to McDonald's and be like, hey Walter, can you come to my house and get some scrap metal? Mm-hmm. But I know that he's not allowed there anymore. Okay. Or he's like allowed there for a very limited amount of time. And I tried to explain to the people at McDonald's like he's used to he's like diner life. They're used to buying one dollar fifty cup of coffee and drinking it all day. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's a nice guy by the way. <laughs> he is. But first of all, he'll turn on you on a dime. Like if well, he if he's done with you, he's done with you. Well, if you're from the country that he's from, I'm sure that's common practice there. <laughs> the middle of <laughs> wherever that is. But then he's also very weird. Like I always like whenever he comes to my house, I tell my son like stay in the house. Like I just don't want him to know there's a young boy living here. Like I just think it's probably in my best interest not to let him know. That. Because this is a guy who this is now what if he's turning into a turned into a listener and you, you're right. insulting him right now. This is a guy who is known throughout town for when he burns leaves, he right. does it in his front yard, okay. which he lives he lives on like This is why I thought he was European. <laughs> because of this? Because he burns <laughs> because of leaves the story. In the front yard. No, 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 wait. It gets I'm getting there. He lives on like a main drag. That's a very busy road. Okay. Um, there's a, a, a certain tattoo shop that used to be in town. He lives across the street from that. Okay. And when he goes out and he burns leaves in his yard, he does so completely naked. Stop it. In the middle of the day. Stop it. He's just standing out there. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> naked as can be. No. His possibly Canadian, possibly Eastern <laughs> European dong hanging out in the wind. Stop. This is real life. 
and he's burning leaves. And what do you say to him? Like, Walter, you can't burn leaves out in the nude. And he says, I don't want my clothes to catch on fire, which you can't really fault him for the logic. <laughs> because I'm sure that most fires that happen around leaf burning in the yard of people there are, has to do with their clothes catching fire. When you burn leaves, there are, like, the embers that kind of get yeah, caught by the wind. They shoot out ashes. You don't want that stuck in your pee hole. Oh, you're saying so he should be wearing clothes to protect his people. This is where I end this a, conversation. A sock? At least a sock. Fire attire. Okay, fire sock. Maybe an of glove. An of glove would be perfect. <laughs> if you can just get the of glove to stay, right. you'll be fine. The question that is on everyone's mind. <laughs> Which, where the hell is the story going? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, a? when? Wrap it up. Wrap this podcast up. That? <laughs> wait, people are already asking how late the show is going to go. That and does he get in trouble for his naked leaf? Burning? Yes, yes. Okay. There's a there's a neighbor that he does not get along with. They hate each other. Okay. Because there's there's this whole story that goes back to tools that I won't even get into. Because he might be from a other country that does not get along with this. No, no. This country. person's American. Okay. But all right. They've had some some business dealings that didn't go right. <coughs> so anyway, the the point of my story is like I have a bunch of metal that I need him to come and take, and he takes it for free. So. And the girls might go because and the girls, the girls will yes. probably go because mm-hmm. at this point I'm probably done with them. I feel like this should turn into a regular segment. Just like a half hour story time weird. Like at the end. <laughs> the weird people that we talk encounter. about snacks. Mm-hmm. This took the place of the snacks tonight. Well, I did mention the McDonald's, so that did come into play. Mm-hmm. There, there is food there, but the uh, certainly you know the, the only catch is when he comes and takes all this free metal. I'm going to be like. All right, now I want you to take these two air conditioners because I don't want to pay to throw them away. He's going to be like, no, I can't take those. They charge me for those. He's like, I know that's the point. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah. All right. He takes that stuff. Does he? Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, he took some and like, just took a hammer to it just to, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, he, just but, to release the, uh, right, the gas. He lets all the Freon out of it and then throws it on right, it. Because yeah. as long as there's no Freon on it, they'll give him the scrap money for right. it. Right. The, the only thing that he did do was he, he told... He had his, he put his dog in his truck because he didn't want the dog to get. To but then get. told us to stand right next to it while he did. Hold yeah, but we were standing. Yeah. But we were standing right there. Hold this for me while I hit right. it with a hammer. He's more concerned about his dog than anybody else. Right, Which, that's true. You know, uh, well, I mean, you would pick your well, dog yeah. over any of us. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, certainly, uh, <laughs> we really could do a whole show. You, on you probably the, could. The weird people of Wareham. We'll save uh, it for the backyard podcast. And that's just that's just weird, Walter. Scareham. That's not even Is getting there a in. Normal Walter. Well, there's Crazy Walter. Crazy Walter is a completely different there. individual. Hmm. From from Wareham. Any special special country? He's all or? around. No, no, no. He's American. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I'm just wondering. Crazy that, that Crazy Walter is. Uh, he he drives around town on a bicycle. Is he still alive? <laughs> um, I have heard that he is. I just I don't think he, I don't know if he's in town. Okay, so he was he was old when we were younger. Okay. But um, but he's also one of those guys that he could have been forty and look like he's eighty. But he all would right. drive around all around town on his bicycle, and w- he was famous for going down to the high school and watching all the girls' sports practices. <laughs> oh he was God. he was extremely perverted. Mm-hmm. Worse than the guy that he would, he would follow. Naked. He would follow people too. Yes, awesome. he he would follow you home. And, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just got in trouble for uh, going to uh, the neighborhoods that have summer homes mm-hmm. and jamming pennies in like outside outlets. Why? <laughs> to ca- well, cause a fire. 
Yeah, but like, why did he decide to be a firebug? Like, that's just I weird. don't know, just because he's a, he's crazy, a jerk. <laughs> he's crazy. Like he's crazy. <laughs> I, I, my, f- I, one of my first like face to face encounters with Crazy Walter was when okay. I had first started working at the diner, and the bus used to come every day, mm-hmm. and he used to show up and like try to help people load their bags onto the bus for money. Okay. And I was told by my boss I had to go out there and yell at him to go away. It's like, well, like that doesn't seem right, but. Uh, not long after that, he showed up at my door one night at like 2 o'clock in the morning and was just like banging on my front door. And my dad answered the door. My dad was like snoozing uh-huh. on the couch. He was like watching TV and fell asleep on the couch. And so my dad got up and answered the door, and I came running. And f- like first of all, it was on the front door, and we never used the front door in this house. We always used the side door. And so we like had to move stuff out of the way just to open the front door. And um, so my dad opens up the door, and he says, can I help you? And I just hear this voice say, tell me how to get back to the road. I got to get back to the main road. I got lost. And I'm like, oh, my God, Crazy Walter's at my house in the middle of the <laughs> night. And I'm like standing there like, Dad, Dad, that's Crazy Walter. Just tell him to go away. Dad. And he like wouldn't leave. And he's like, tell me how to get to the road. Will you take me there? Tell me how to get back to the main road. Will you take me there? Like trying to get my dad to like put his bike in the car and like drive him there. And finally, I was like, Dad, Dad, you got to do this. And I just walked over. I was like, Walter, go home. Your mother's calling you. And he just ran over to the bike oh and got God. on it and drove away. That's how he got rid right. of Crazy it's Walter. True. If you ever needed to get rid of him, he just said, Walter, your mother's calling you and you'd run away. So. Awesome. Anyway, yes. I'm watching the viewership of the podcast just <laughs> right. go down as right. we tell these stories. Yeah. Uh, I also conveniently <laughs> waited until after we had the event in Wareham to tell people about how crazy Wareham is. <laughs> So I didn't even get you. to tell you. I didn't get to tell you the best story. When and I might as well tell it on the air because why not? The event happened last week, and and people came from all over. We had people coming from different parts of the country. We had California. Yeah. We had Jimmy coming up from wherever he is now, um, Tennessee. I don't know, Jimmy. You can correct me. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, we had people coming from all over, and we had some folks that came from the North Shore area, <clears throat> and. They And everybody asks me, like, where can I stay? I'm like, well, there's a nice Marriott in Wareham now. Mm-hmm. And then everybody says, but it's like 300 bucks a night. Where else can we stay? And so I usually will direct them to our friends at the Days Inn in Middleborough. Right. Or, you know, another similar type place. There's a couple, like, right over the bridge. Uh, but these folks didn't ask me about where to stay. I thought they were just going to drive home afterwards. And they booked a room at the Rosewood Motel. Oh, man. <laughs> and they're like, uh... We don't know what this place is that we're staying at. I'm like, how did you even get a room at the Rosewood? Is because that that, um, <laughs> people live there year round. <laughs> uh, is that the one that uh, some guy got stabbed in? Alabama, Jimmy. Uh, yes, okay. it actually was. Yes. Yeah. All right. It was. <laughs> they might have been in that room for right, all I right. know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, I thought that that was, I was like. fun. Well, they had a good time. <laughs> they were like. As they walked by, they said to us, they said, as we, as we were driving here, I turned to them and I said, at least we got to stay at that Starlight Motel. <laughs> and I just started laughing because I lived There's there no once. There's no vacancy. I lived there once. <laughs> All right, My anyway. Goodness. Well, that does it for this week's Spooky South Coast. We went over time yes. a little bit. We started late, so we went late. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, sometimes we go off script. Just a little bit. But not, it's not fun. Often. People like it. And, uh, again, so don't forget, if you want to get those last four tickets for the SK Pierce Mansion event on September 9th. There, like I said, four left. As Stephanie mentioned earlier, they are done with ticket sales on Monday. Those spots will just go empty if nobody buys the tickets, and that would be a huge shame because this place is ridiculous. Yes. 
when it comes to activity. As I always say, it's the only time I've ever been on an investigation where I felt like I was in a horror movie. Same here. And Something happens every single time I go, so... And uh, I will stir shit up when we go. We usually do, the two of us together. No, I will intentionally stir it up. Stop it. I will. I haven't said her name yet. Stop. Jim, no, don't was it, No, it was Cameron last week was trying to get me to really? say it. Really? Well, yes. he's coming, so... And I said, well, I can't say it now because Stephanie will get mad, but I'll say it the night of the event. And Stephanie will still get mad. <laughs> Cam- Cameron is also coming to Lizzie Borden's. Is he? Yes. That is so exciting. He said he didn't think that he could come to two events in yes, one month, but he, he is. So. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. He's going to love Lizzie Borden. Yes, he will. And you will, too, and we have tickets left for that as well. It's about halfway sold out. It's Lizzie's Axe to Fall. It's happening on September 23rd, so get your tickets to that as well because those will go fast. And uh, if you get involved right now with that Lizzie Borden event, if you buy your tickets online, I do still have some room vacancies. So you can also stay the night for an extra $125 per person plus tax because that's paid directly to the house because they have to charge you hotel excuse me, hotel tax and all that. So all the details are up on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, if you want to get that. All right. Well, that does it for plugging events. I will just plug one more time. Everybody tune in Tuesday night to Haunted Towns as they head to Salem. I'm not in this episode, but I was there when they filmed it. And I, I got to see some of the stuff and, and some of the, the, the behind-the-scenes creation of the show, and it was very fascinating. It was also snowing. So I felt bad because I, I brought them up in April, and it was snowing. But uh, we will be live-tweeting during that show as well. If you want to follow along with me on Twitter, I, I like to live-tweet during it and had a great time talking to everybody. I, I, I do ask – I kind of brought back the Ghost Stalkers thing of asking everybody to send a picture of the face they make. Right. While they're watching the show and hashtagging the haunted towns, so we got a few. We got some people Did that you? sent them. Yeah. Awesome. I actually I stole that from Chad. It was Chad Lindbergh that okay. started doing that. So anyway, we'll be back with another show next Saturday night. So until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>